this morning part two of this little mini-series within a series on James's perspective on God's Word. Last uh, week we saw uh, James's reflection on receiving God's Word. The, the focus this morning is on getting the message and doing it, receiving it and doing it, being doers of God's Word. So let's give our attention there. The text this morning is James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Hear now the word of the Lord. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The following is a, an excerpt from what's referred to as the Mishnah. Uh, that's a collection of Jewish oral tradition, the Jewish oral tradition around the Torah. And I want to read a little excerpt from that, and it, and it refers to four different types of people and how they relate to the synagogue, if you could think church there, and, and God's Word, how they relate to it. This is what it says in the Mishnah. There are four different types of people when it comes to attending the study hall. Think synagogue there. Here they are. One who attends but doesn't practice what he learns earns the reward for attending. One who practices but doesn't attend the study hall earns the reward for practicing. One who attends the study hall and practices what he learns is considered pious. One who neither attends nor practices is considered evil. Did you see the distinction, the differences among those four different types of people? Let me kind of put it into our church context, something a little bit more familiar to us, and change the order up a bit. These are the, the four different people here. Person number one, they don't go to church. They don't learn God's Word, and they don't practice it either. They are the worst type of person. They are considered evil. Then there's a second type of person. They go to church. They do learn about God's Word, but they don't put what they learn into practice. They are doing a good thing, but they're not doing the best thing. There's a third type of person, they don't go to church, but they familiarize themselves with God's Word, and they actually do it. They don't go, but they do God's Word. They too are doing a good thing, but again, not the best thing. And then finally, there's person number four. They go to church, they learn God's Word, and they actually put it into practice. And it is this last person, this type of person, that is considered pious. The one who receives a true and full reward. Do you recognize those type of people? And I'd ask you this morning, which one of those four types of people are you? Which one of those things best describes you? And how you relate to God's Word and God's church and putting God's Word into practice in your life. 
I believe James had that Mishnah text in mind. It was very familiar, and I think he's riffing off of it this morning, if you will, in the text that we come to when James calls us to be hearers and doers of God's Word. Last week, we heard about the importance of receiving God's message, of hearing it, listening to it, and planting it into our lives And this week, we hear the second part of that, the fullness of it, what really matters ultimately and even proves whether we are listening is this reality that we become doers of God's Word, as James puts it. That's the big idea this morning in the message. The disciple who thrives is the disciple who receives and does God's Word. The disciple who thrives is the disciple who receives and does God's Word. And what I want you to see this morning is the power of that. When you hear, listen, receive, and then do God's Word, tremendous benefits accrue to you in the Christian life. There's great power found in it. I want to share with you three particular benefits this morning. And they are these. First, when we do God's Word, we authenticate our faith. Secondly, when we do God's Word, we empower real change in our lives. And thirdly, when we do God's Word, we build our lives upon a sure foundation. So let's look at those three benefits of doing God's Word together this morning. The first one is this, when we do God's Word, we authenticate our faith. Where is that found in the text? It's found in verse 22 where James says, But be doers of the Word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. Be doers of the Word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. You see what James is raising here. He's raising the danger of self-deception regarding the authenticity of our faith. We can deceive ourselves about who we are in Christ. And he links that danger particularly to those who hear the Word but don't do it. We have to acknowledge, beloved, that as humans, part of our human nature is that we are given to self-deception. When it comes to self-assessment and self-evaluation, we often engage in a form of self-deception. It's hard for us to see ourselves as we really are. James Nystrom, in his commentary on the epistle of James, he cites research about human nature, about how we tend to view ourselves more positively than we really should based on the facts. He writes this in his commentary, Neil Weinstein, a researcher at Rutgers University, has discovered that college students rate themselves far more likely than their peers to get a good job, own a house, and make a good living, and far less likely than their peers to get cancer, get divorces, be fired. In survey after survey, at least 90% of business managers and college professors rate their performance as superior to that of their peers. In Australia, 86% of people rate their job performance as above average, while only 1% rate theirs as below average. It's true of us, right? The math doesn't really add up. We can't all be above average, but that's kind of how we see ourselves. We often do this as humans. We engage in a form of self-deception. It's hard for us to see ourselves as we really are. 
But that becomes even more profound and more perilous when it comes to our spirituality, about who we are in the Christian life. We can deceive ourselves into thinking that we are following God when we really are not. And one of the most susceptible, one of the ways we become most susceptible to that type of self-deception is when we hear the Word of God, but we don't do it. We're hearers, but not doers. That's what James is talking about. Be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. Oftentimes, we kind of dress up like Christians, but we don't really work out like Christians. Mora Weigel, in an article in Real Life magazine, she wrote about this trend in our culture about wearing athleisure, that we like to wear as Americans clothes of, uh, that are reflective of, of exercise and activity, of working out. You know, everyone's wearing yoga pants everywhere, right? It's the thing to do. It's, it gives this sense of who you are. It's very popular. It's a growing area of apparel. But then she writes this, but there's a strange twist in this growth of athleisure. Most people are just wearing it, not actually working out in it. Apparently, we liked the workout look. We just don't like the workout lifestyle or the workout practices. And that's what James is telling us. We're wearing the stuff, right? We're wearing the outerwear, but we're not working out in it. We're not exercising it. And if we're not doing that, then we're at peril of deceiving ourselves. We need not just to wear it. We need to work out in it. When we know something and we don't do something, we engage in a form of self-deception. And so I would ask you this morning, are, are you just wearing it? Are you just wearing your faith? Are you just coming here, absorbing it, or are you doing it? Are you working out your salvation in your life? Are you working out? Are you a doer of God's Word? Because it's when there's that disconnect between knowing and doing that we are subject to the peril of self-deception, as James puts it forth in this text. Now, that's the bad news, but the the good news is the other side of it, that James is telling us here we have a way to authenticate our faith. There's a positive aspect to this. If we are doing God's Word, if we listen to it and we actually put it into practice in our lives, if we do that, what we are also doing is authenticating our faith. We are providing ourselves with assurance of who we really are in Christ. Because a person born again, a person influenced and empowered by the Holy Spirit will be a doer of God's Word. And so you don't have to engage in some type of you know, subjective self-introspection uh, or something like that. You can look at your life and see, am I taking this seriously? Am I working out God's Word? Am I doing it? And if you're trying to do that, to exercise your faith, to not just wear it, but to work out in it, then you have this assurance of of faith that you are a child of God. When we do God's Word, one of the benefits is that we authenticate our faith and we avoid self-deception. That's the first benefit of doing God's Word. The second is this, when we do God's Word, we empower real change real change in our lives. 
Have you ever been out to lunch with someone and you're, you know, you've got broccoli on your plate? And so you're eating this lunch, you're munching this broccoli, you're having this great conversation with someone, maybe it's a business lunch, and then you go and you use the restroom, and you go in there, and you know, what do you, what do, you do? You do that little teeth check, you know, kind of smile into the mirror and see the guy thing in your teeth, and then you see it. That big green gobble of bro- broccoli in your teeth, right? What do you do in that moment? You panic, right? You start, you start thinking to yourself, how long was that there? Uh, did the person across the table uh, see that? You, know, you have this first reaction to that. You, you panic about it. But what do you do next? You get it out, right? You, you clean it out. You, get, you remove it from your teeth. That's the, the second thing you do with it. You get rid of it. Now imagine going into the bathroom, looking in the mirror, and seeing that in your tooth and doing nothing about it. That's ridiculous, right? No one would do that. No one in the world would do that. They wouldn't just ignore it. It's ludicrous. But that's exactly what James is saying in this text that we do when we hear God's Word and don't do it. And he uses that illustration of a mirror in verses 23 and 24. For if any are hearers of the Word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror... For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. You see, James is using that very illustration. He's saying that someone who hears God's word but fails to do it is just like that person who would look in the mirror, see the broccoli in their teeth and do nothing about it. Not try to get the floss out and fix it. He's saying you're wasting the very purpose of the mirror. The mirror is supposed to help you to see your flaws, to see what needs to change about you, and then you do something about it. You do the change. And what James is saying is that the the Word of God is the mirror. We look into it, we hear it proclaimed, it exposes to us what needs to change in our lives, and then we are called to do something about it. Now let me ask you, you know, when you look at the Word of God in your life right now, where you are, what is it showing you about yourself? What do you see in the mirror? What needs to change in your life? What about you is God calling you to change? And then the big question is, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to walk away from that from what God is showing you and do nothing about it? It's insufficient just to know about a flaw. You have to do something about it. That's what the Word of God is for. That's what James is talking about. You don't look at a mirror, see it, and do nothing about it and just walk away. That's what a person looks like if they're a knower and not a doer, a hearer and not a doer. But a doer takes action. A doer makes change. Back in, uh, in 2021, some of you this last year, you will remember that condo that collapsed down in Miami, that tragedy that happened with that building. And of course, in the investigation of that, they found out uh, three years before that, in 2018, an engineer had filed a report and said, this thing has massive and serious structural problems that need to be remedied. But what was the problem? They knew about the problem, but nobody did anything about the problem. 
It does no good to just know about it. You have to do something. And that's what James is driving at here in our text. He's calling us to do something about it. And so one of the questions that comes home to us is, what are you doing about it in your life? What are you doing about what God is showing you in the mirror? Are you just walking away from it? Because what James tells us here in this text is that there is something you can do about it. There is something powerful in the Word of God that can lead to real change in our lives. And James expresses this as a blessing. He tells us there's this amazing incentive to do the Word of God. Verse 25, he says this, But those who look into the perfect law, just like looking into a mirror, those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, be not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. They will be blessed in their doing. There's a promise here, an incentive to do the Word of God. That is, we will be blessed in our doing. What is the nature of that blessing? The nature of that blessing is that we will be changed. That the Word of God has the power to change our lives. When attended by the Holy Spirit and working in our heart, if we do that Word, we can really change people. There's real power. There's real blessing in it. It can create this type of virtuous cycle in our lives. If we become doers and not merely hearers of the Word, it can affect real change. Let me kind of explain how this works. In his book, Good to Great, uh, the leadership guru, uh, Jim Collins, he uses this illustration of a flywheel to describe how small changes can lead to radical transformation. You could put up that first uh, image there if you would. That's what a flywheel kind of looks like as an example of what I'm talking about. The Collins in the book talks about trying to imagine one of these flywheels as a huge, heavy flywheel. He describes it as a massive metal disc mounted horizontally on an axle about 30 feet in diameter, 2 feet thick, weighing 5,000 pounds. And then he writes, now imagine that your task is to get the flywheel rotating on the axle as fast and long as possible. And he describes that process. You know, imagine that, that big thing, and you're trying to move that. You're trying to change something that is stagnant, that is heavy, that seems immovable. And what he talks about is how you start to push and you start to turn a little bit, a little more. The first push, the second, the third, the fourth, and movement begins And then all of a sudden, as you push a little bit more and a little bit more, there's this point that he calls the breakthrough, right? When it starts to move on its own momentum, when you have built up this type of strength, this type of turn, he talks about it as the momentum of the thing kicks in your favor, hurling like the flywheel forward, turn after turn, whoosh, its own heavy weight working for you. That's what like, the, doing the Word of God is like. It's like when you begin to do it. When you see, you look into the mirror and you see what needs to change and you take that Word of God and you start to apply it. At first, it's really hard to do. Because there's this heavy kind of weightedness and stagnancy where, where you are. But as you push, as you move, little by little, as you apply that word, you gain momentum. And real and powerful and transformational change can happen in your life. 
You know God wants you to be a giver, wants you to be generous. Well, how do you do that? If you're doing nothing, you start doing it. You start moving that wheel and you move it. And what you find is it becomes easier and easier the more you do it. And it gains its own momentum. You know God wants you to put the interest of others before yourselves. Well, how do you do that? You begin doing it. You put it into practice in your life, little by little, and that flywheel of change begins to move and gain momentum, and it becomes easier and easier. Beloved, I have experienced this in my own life. I know what this is like in areas where I have struggled in my life. I've done this. I've put this word into practice day by day, and I've seen change in who I am. I'm struggling with something right now. I'm just struggling with a level of discouragement. I get discouraged about the state of the church. I get discouraged about the things that are, have been left undone, the things that I have failed as a leader. It drives me crazy to see that projector sitting there here, seeing the drive-in movie screen here. We need to get that done. That's my fault. And I get discouraged by these things. I get discouraged when I see what COVID has done to the church and the continuing and lingering effects of all of that. And so I sit there and what can happen in life is that same kind of virtuous cycle can turn into a doom loop, right? You can have that flywheel work against you and you let that work in a negative way in your life. And what I'm trying to do in my own life right now is turn that around. To put God's Word into practice, to believe what He says, what He said to Joshua when He said, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. To believe it. To do it. And beloved, if you do it, if you look in that mirror and you see what needs to change in your life, and God shows you that, and He shows you how to change it in your Word, and you do it, and day by day, spin by spin, you put that word into practice, real change can happen in your life because the word of God is powerful. It does not return void. It is sharp like a double-edged sword. God can change you through His Word. And one of the blessings of doing God's Word is that spiritual flywheel effect is that when you do God's Word, you can empower real change in your life. That's one of the benefits of doing God's Word. The third benefit is this. When we do God's Word, we build our lives upon a sure foundation. When we do God's Word, we build our lives upon a sure foundation. Although this is not made explicit in our text it is embedded in our text, what James is really addressing. If you think about what James is dealing with, he begins this book, as we saw in the first sermon, with the issue of suffering. He's writing to Christians who are suffering, suffering a massive storm in their life, suffering something that has shaken their faith, has shaken their lives, has taken things from them, has forced them to scatter, it's impacted their families, their jobs, their lives, their, their wealth, all of it. And the way this church, these people to whom he was writing, thought about responding was through anger. 
And I can really understand that because I see that tendency, that temptation in Christians today to respond in anger with what's going on, what's attacking us, if you, so, if you want to put it in those terms, that feeling of things being a storm or shaking or whatever you want to call it, something that is working against the church and the word of Christ. And what they wanted to do was to respond in anger. But James says that's the wrong response. That does not produce righteousness. That is no foundation upon which to stand. Instead, what James does is he comes into the end of the chapter. He talks about, here is your foundation. It's the Word of God. It's receiving the Word of God, having it implanted in your lives, and then doing it. You want to build a foundation that can stand in the storm, build it upon the sure foundation of the Word of God. Don't respond with anger but rather build your life on the hearing and doing of God's Word. That's a sure foundation, one that can withstand any storm. And here again, James is channeling the voice of his brother Jesus. He is echoing the voice of Jesus. Last week when it came to receiving the Word of God, I spoke to you about how James was playing off of the parable of the sower with the seeds and the soil and how we receive God's Word, how it becomes implanted in us. Well, this week in this text about doing God's Word, I believe he has in mind Jesus' parable of the wise and foolish builders. The parable is simple. Jesus states it in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Listen to what Jesus taught. Everyone then who hears these words of mine, hears and acts on them, does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them, doesn't do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now consider those two builders. Consider how many similarities there are between them. They both built something. They both built a house, a, a home. They both faced a storm. They both faced a storm in their life. They both heard the words of Jesus. They both heard it. The singular difference between them is that one acted on those words and one did not. And that made all the difference. And it's a foundational difference. When you hear God's Word and you do God's Word, you build your life upon a rock. You build your life upon a sure foundation. Foundations matter. What you build your life on matters. If you guys can put up that second image this morning, and I want to credit uh, Earl Palmer in his sermon for inspiring this illustration. You all recognize that, right? Most iconic bridge perhaps in the entire world. That bridge, of course, is built near the San Andreas Fault, It's built near a massive risk of earthquakes. We saw it happen in 1989, a major one. They knew that when they built this bridge. They knew that risk. And so they built that bridge. You see those two towers of 746 feet tall, these two towers built upon those concrete piers that are in the water. 
and those cables that run along the bridge that are anchored into both sides of the bridge, embedded into concrete, which is embedded into bedrock. They knew this bridge had to have flexibility and it needed a strong foundation to withstand an earthquake. And in 89, when they had that 7.1 quake, they went back and they retrofitted. They made that foundation even stronger so that it would endure. What's my point? My point is foundations matter. What you build your life upon matters. And James says, build it on the Word of God. Build it on hearing and doing God's Word, the Word of Jesus, and your life will stand. No matter what storm comes, no matter what shakes the foundation, you will stand. And beloved, I've seen people who do this. I've seen people who've built their lives upon Christ's Word, and they inspire me, and I want to be like them and follow their ways. There are people in this congregation who are like this, and I won't embarrass you, but you inspire me because you build your life. You truly do it. You're not just talking. You're not just hearing. You're doing. There was a couple here, once part of our church, Tom and Lois. Some of you know who they are, and some of you don't know who they are, but let me tell you, they were people who inspired me. I had my life intersect with theirs in only a small way. Some of you knew them better, but they were people who heard the word and did the word. And they face storms, tremendous storms, things that I look at in my own life and wonder, would I stand? How did they stand? It's because they built their lives on the word of God, and they did it in their lives, and they even did it in their death. Don't you want to live like that? Don't you want a life like that? Don't you want to build your life on a foundation like that? Well, it's not just for some. It's an offer that Jesus makes to all of us. Jesus offers that to you. That's what Jesus offers to you. He offers you a foundation, a foundation to build your life on. And the way you do that is by hearing His words and doing them in your life. And if you do that, if you're willing to do that in your life, you will have a strong and a sure foundation. You will stand even when the storm comes, even when your foundations are shaken. Because the Word of God, the Word of Christ is a rock upon which to build your life. So build it upon the Word of God. Build it upon Christ. Because the disciple who thrives is the disciple who receives and does God's Word. Beloved, let us become a church of hearers and doers. Let us spin that flywheel, that virtuous spiritual flywheel of change. It can change us individually. It can change this congregation. We can move. We can grow. And we can stand upon a sure foundation in Christ and His Word. Let's do that together. Let's experience that change together through the power of God's living Word. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, for the foundation it provides. Help us as a congregation to be hearers and doers of Your Word. Help us to put it into practice in our lives so that we may authenticate our faith, so that we might 
empower real change in our lives. And so that we might have our lives and our church built upon a sure foundation. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.